Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm your host, Busy Gold. Conscious construction starts right now. Hey, hey, everybody. I'm here with Matt Ray. This is another episode of The Modern Good. Matt, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to this episode all week. In fact, maybe for the weeks that I had Adrian hunt you down and see if we could get you on the show. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me busy. I'm really happy to be here. So Matt comes to us from Gays Against Screamers. Their sister edition is Trans Against Screamers. And we have a jam-packed episode for you today. I want to remind everybody here in Break Method, we work with tons of communities that have dealt with sexual violence, sexual assault, molestation, grooming, you name it. And I want to make sure to be very clear before we go into this episode, this episode is going to be trigger central. I want everyone to be very clear that Matt and I both are doing this because there is a deep importance behind it. We're not trying to create clickbait. We're not trying to ruffle feathers just to drive traffic. This is information that must get out. It is essential to quite literally our survival as a society. There's no better person in my mind to pull back the veil on this than Matt. And we're going to be going into some things that are going to be hard to hear. You might need to pause the episode a few times. That's okay. You know, I, I know when I first started to look into this stuff, it it makes you want to throw up. But I truly believe that where we are in in our moment in time, societally, historically, we need to rise to that occasion and move through the nausea and keep listening, keep looking. We can't just run away and say, oh, I don't really want to hear that. That doesn't really fit my narrative. We have an entire generation at stake. So Matt, I want to first start with why is it that this particular issue is something that called out to you and made you, as you said, want to put a target on your back? So I was in the community before just exposing all the political corruption and things like that. And then when I started to see what was taking place in schools and not just schools, but all the drag shows and children being dragged to them and things like this, it started really setting off alarms in my head because The LGBTQ community has always been wanting acceptance, yet they are acting. And I don't mean all of them. I mean what I call the alphabet community, the ones that are pushing all this radical stuff. Mm. They are actually pushing people further away from acceptance by doing it. And children, children are developing mentally and physically, throwing all of this stuff at them, all this propaganda and ideologies is going to create a general of future adults who are extremely confused, especially now they're being told that gender is a social construct and they're ignoring biology. The kids aren't being taught the birds and the bees. They're also being sexualized. The curriculum that is being brought into schools is disgusting. Um, The books that are being put in the libraries for children, it is getting to the point where there is an evident agenda to normalize pedophilia and people within the community and even people who aren't because you know there are people who are parents and their kids are getting put through this no matter who you are people need to really start using their voice because this is an attack 
and it is coming from all angles and children cannot speak for themselves because they don't know what's happening to them. So it is down to adults to get loud against all of this. And I, I've never associated myself, despite being transgendered, I've never associated myself with the LGBTQ community because I believe there is more to a person than their orientation or, or what they are. However, I am at the point now where I am declaring to the public that I am a biological female because someone needs to do it. People need to stand up mm. and show these children that you cannot simply just change your, uh, change your gender. And I'm just really, really heartbroken for the kids. I can't, I can't put it into words. Rightfully, rightfully so. One of the things that keeps coming to mind, and I'm wondering if you know exactly the time this is introduced, is that diagram, it's almost like a coloring book page, which would lead me to believe it's likely introduced very early of the gender unicorn. Do you know at what age the gender unicorn is now actually being pushed to children in schools? Uh, I haven't seen, but I know that they're now trying to say that children as young as four can be taught this stuff. Um, I've seen all the WHO. Let me see if I can. I'm going to see if I can pull up a picture of this gender unicorn okay. because I, I actually saw this, this. So there's the gender unicorn and then there's the gender gingerbread man. I've seen the gingerbread man. And let's man. find out when is this introduced? Okay. So this appears to be introduced between first and second grade. So just for the the context of people here, first or second grade, you're like, I don't know, seven, eight, right? Seven, eight years old. If I go back to when I was seven or eight years old, there's no way my brain could have comprehended something like gender expression. Do I even know at seven years old what a social construct is? Or at that point, am I still playing dress up in my closet and genuinely believing that I can become Debbie Gibson, which by the way, when I was a little kid, if you asked me what I wanted to become when I was older, I was like, I want to be Debbie Gibson. I literally thought <laughs> I could be someone else. So our ability to deconstruct reality and try to understand what is and is not achievable is not intact at age seven or eight. I know it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's very concerning as well. You know, social media has become a cesspool in regards to pushing this stuff. There is a girl I have seen on uh, TikTok. You've probably seen her. She's known as the pronoun princess, um, lesbian Snow White. And she is making several videos, loads of them with new pronouns every day. And the most recent one I saw was blanket blankets pronouns. So they're telling children they can be a blanket. Okay. Blanket. Now, Inanimate objects. This is ridiculous. And these children are taking these things literally and believing they can be absolutely anything they want. And it is going to lead to a huge, we're already seeing it, this huge rise in mental illness. So I want to double back on a couple of things. So number one, as you brought up the blanket Blake itself, I've also been hearing other pronouns like demon demon self yes. right mm -hmm. <laughs> if anything is indicative of where this is all going that probably would be one of the pronoun pairings i've seen multiple accounts of children that now identify as cats being able to actually maintain this cat identity at school and now they are no longer required to speak their answers they're actually able to meow. 
I hope that there, if there was one thing that maybe was a line in the sand that shows you maybe we've gone too far, I feel that being allowed to meow in a public school instead of answer a question about a test is probably too far. What are some of the most radical things that you've seen either in the media or news that people are now trying to pass off as completely normal and justified? Well, along with the cat thing that you said just now, I did see articles saying that some schools have been putting out litter trays for the kids that were identifying as cats. Um, the news then got back on that saying Ooh. it was Russian misinformation, but we get told that a lot when something's true. So I <laughs> I, I still choose to believe Agree. it. Um, another thing is they are now pushing in, in the schools as well that childhood masturbation should be taught from age four. This is a WHO guideline. They're also Ooh. going to be taught about good touch and bad touch. Now, now, this is very dangerous because that shows that, let's say, an adult, one of these predatory adults, approaches this child and touches them, but they think it feels okay. They are not going to tell their ch their parents what is going on, and they're going to think it's all right. It opens the door to paedophiles to groom these children. You're absolutely hitting it on the head. I think another thing that might be important psychological concept to remind the audience of right now is priming, right? So the simplest way to understand priming is that if we're all looking at the color yellow and we're all asked very quickly, what fruit are you thinking about? Most people will say banana, a very small mm -hmm. percentage will say lemon. Virtually no one will say a fruit that was not the color yellow. So we know that priming predisposes a brain to start to consider and play around with different concepts. The brain is also inherently curious and it will not stop trying to problem solve until it feels as if it's landed on something anchored. This really works against us and for the agenda because once you introduce something like sexuality or gender expression, the child's brain will latch onto that and it will seek to understand it and play it out in a variety of scenarios exactly. until it feels anchored. So we're quite literally inserting a script with which that child will now change forever more. You can't pull that back. Exactly. It's a dangerous route to go down, especially, you know, if a child is going to end up trans, gay or whatever, they're going to find that out on their own. Okay. But by introducing this to the education system, you are causing them to think about topics they wouldn't necessarily have been thinking about. And it's also causing a trend. You know, I've had parents reach out to me saying, hey, my two kids came up to me and told me they were trans. And when I asked them why they thought they were trans, they didn't know what it actually meant. And this is because mm. you've got children now identifying in class with all these pronouns and they're made to feel special because they have these pronouns. There was a teacher on TikTok who made this disgusting video where she said that one of her students in class felt safe enough to disclose his pronouns to her and that she then told the whole class about it and the rest of the class then disclosed their pronouns to her so what she's actually done there is groomed a class into having pronouns because she's obviously gone look how brave he is he's told me that mm. he identifies as non-binary or something like this and the rest of the class obviously you know children like that acceptance they like to feel appreciated so the others are going to go oh well I, I am too you know and she then had the nerve to take it one step further and call these children's parents unsafe. Now, is okay. she saying you that just to the hit, students You just as hit well? some really important things. So a couple things that really stand out there, and I think this is a where we should likely go with this next, is not only are 
the teachers and the school system trying to nurture, if not insert, these sort of trans identity and pronoun terminologies. But they're intentionally, they might claim that they're not intentionally doing it, but they're intentionally creating a separation and a mistrust with the children's parents. So now they're weaponizing or demonizing the child's own family. So when they go home, the only safe party becomes the school system or the teacher. And I think if you look at the way children naturally, as you said, want to be accepted, really trans identity and pronouns is becoming like in my day, the bell-bottom jeans that had the racing stripes down the side. Like, you weren't cool unless you had those bell-bottom pants. I'm really dating myself here and, like, the platform sketchers, if anyone's out there. Um, unfortunately, trans identity now is like platform sketchers. That's really dangerous. We've now, we've now elevated trans ideologies as something mm -hmm. to strive for, for self-acceptance and, and groupthink. It's a very, very dangerous place for us to be. Do you feel that this is happening throughout schools in the United States, or are there certain places that still seem relatively safe? I believe it is happening throughout schools. Um, I think it's worse in the, the, the blue states. I see that it's being pushed a lot more there, although Arizona is a red state and it's also now having issues. Um, mm -hmm. This attack, though, on the family is widespread. widespread. And um, I've seen that California right now are also trying to put things in where children don't have to disclose or the school doesn't have to disclose to the parents if their children are identifying a certain way. Now, this is really dangerous because, like you said, it is going to cause mistrust with parents. They spend more, kids spend more time at school than they do at home when they're younger. So think how much they're going to have this ideology programmed into them. And a recent thing that took place, I've got uh, here, um, this was in Connecticut, okay? We have a school nurse called Kathleen Catterford who was fired for hateful rhetoric and values totally inconsistent with Connecticut's public school board district because she revealed in a Facebook group that an 11-year-old student had been put on puberty blockers without parental consent and that 12 other students were identifying as non-binary, again, without parental consent. That nurse got fired for telling parents what they have the right to know. And this is the this is the alarm that needs to be sounded because nobody is safe with this. This agenda is out for everybody. And parents really need to find out the exact be 10 steps ahead of the exact curriculum their children are having shoved down their throats, because it's not as simple as math, English, science anymore. It is gender ideology. And if you look at um, recent reports, children are actually struggling academically right now and this is probably part of the reason why because instead of being taught things they actually need to know they are having their brains filled with garbage that might not have necessarily even have been something they would have had to think about themselves in their own lives because they could have just you know not been trans or they might not be gay but instead they're having all of this forced down their throats which is making them think about these things when they don't necessarily need to so a couple of things come to mind just to contrast what it appears is happening, not only in blue states, but it seems like public school at large. I work with teens that have been presenting with behavioral problems, suicidal ideation, gender dysphoria. That's what I do for a living. And this certainly seems to be occurring in all public school systems, even mm -hmm. in my experience in red states. So I'm going to contrast this with a recent experience that we had with our son's school. So our son is eight, I believe. Yeah, he's eight. He's about to turn nine. He's eight. And they had a school dance coming up. 
He goes to a private school, by the way. And of course, for him, it became this like, oh, well, I want to ask a girl to the dance. Everything was about asking girls to the dance. And of course, there are natural expressions of curiosity and maybe like the bud of some sort of sexual desire early on. But there's a way to nurture that and create firm boundaries around it in a way that allow it to blossom and grow in a healthy way rather than mm. corrupt that toward a narrative, right? Like what we've been talking about. Yes. So in this scenario, right, he, my son definitely would probably tend toward being a bit more girl crazy. He likes, he likes attention. So for him, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to ask all these girls out. And his teacher actually sat him down and said, hey, Zev, for this dance, we're we're in third grade. We're really focusing on building friendships. You can be friends with another girl. Hey, you can even think another girl's really cool and really like her and think she's pretty. But in third grade, it's important that we focus on friendships and just friendships. So no one's inviting people to the dance. This is just a dance for friends. It continued. So then the teacher actually sat the whole class down and was like, listen, it can be normal to have crushes. But when you're in third grade, those crushes can mean that you might want to be partners for a school exercise, but we're still not going to be inviting friends to a dance. We can talk about that when you guys get to high school. But for right now, focus on friendship. This is a great way to not just, mm -hmm. you know, make someone feel that they're invalidated for having feelings for somebody else, but instead help them identify, okay, maybe this is what those feelings mean. And maybe this is what I can do with these feelings in a positive way. I mean, if more schools did that, I think we'd be living in a very different world. Do you agree? I agree a hundred percent. That is actually a really great way of teaching what she did there. I like that. Right. So when he came home, it wasn't like he was down in the dumps, like he got shamed yeah. or anything, because I'm certainly not in any way, shape or form, you mm -hmm. know, a proponent of shaming kids for their natural no, feelings that not. come up in natural curiosity. And I think this kind of speaks to something we talk about a lot on the show, which is this reactive pendulum swing. It's like we're either puritanical, everyone's wearing turtlenecks and we can't talk about sexuality mm -hmm. at all. Or we're seeing unfold exactly what we're experiencing right now, which is absolutely about to thrust us collectively into the pits of hell. So it, I would love... Oh, go ahead. I did not mean to interrupt you. No, I was just going to agree with you. We are heading that in that direction really fast. <laughs> really fast. And, you know, I think a lot of parents... And this isn't to make anyone feel bad, but I think often parents can kind of take the point of view of like, oh, well, that doesn't happen with my kids. And mm, well, at least that's why we live here. Or, you know, my kids seem pretty strong and they go to public school. I really encourage all parents listening to this. If you're at all concerned with what we're talking about, and believe me, if you're not yet, you will be when we uncover some of the insidious mm -hmm. history behind this agenda. I don't believe that at the moment we are in time, you get to just take a pass and be like, oh, well, it's not affecting my kids. So I'm just not going to care. This is a collective humanity issue. We are in the process right now where we should be sounding every alarm possible. And instead, we're all being shut down, canceled, being made to feel like bigots when we're actually just trying to ask some really rational, logical questions. So that kind of brings me to maybe the next point, which is Clearly, when an agenda is operating in the background, they try to disarm people from being able to move through cognitive dissonance, right? One of those tactics is to create 
cancel culture, right? Something where it feels like if you say the wrong thing, you'll somehow lose your friends or lose your job, which we certainly know is happening. Thankfully for me, I've already been through a whole year of someone trying to cancel me, including mass media, and I made it out alive. So, I mean, cancel me all you want. I, I held in there and now I'm actually, I feel fortified to keep standing for the truth. So it gives you the drive. Those of you out there afraid of getting canceled, right? When you come out the other side, you're like, sweet, that wasn't so bad. And you realize that all the people that ultimately needed to kind of go through that threshold with you, we all popped out on the other side, even more empowered to stand Mm -hmm. firmly rooted in the truth. So we've got all these structures that they're using to try to make us go into fear instead of actually feel empowered to move through cognitive dissonance. When you are this well coordinated and you've got every system pushing the same message lockstep, you've got the same educational pieces being disseminated through every single area from big pharma to the education system to therapy, right? Every single system here is lockstep. You have to realize that that means something coordinated took place. This doesn't happen accidentally. And I really hope people can like sit with that for a moment because This isn't coincidental. We didn't have this equally disseminated in all areas of the system at the same time. This is proof that an agenda is operating behind the scenes. Matt, what agenda is this and who is behind it? It is the agenda to normalize pedophilia. And it was originally begun by Alfred Kinsey and John Monet. And it is ramping up so much right now that it's getting to the point where society is headed to an unrecognizable cesspool. People have forgotten what it means to truly protect children and to preserve their innocence. If anyone even just takes a look at the WHO's guidelines that have been introduced now to kids from ages naught to four, they would be horrified. It is all completely sexual. It was... the stuff is worse than what I was taught when I was about 15 years old in school. And I was a teenager mm-hmm. then. And they're showing e- even more explicit content to children who don't even know what gender is yet. You know, the children who are just being kids and they're probably identifying as fire trucks and unicorns are now mm-hmm. being taught all of this stuff that is opening the door to pedophilia and it's serious and people really need to start paying attention. And, you know, you've got these parents as well who, like you were saying before, oh, it's, it's not happening at my school. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and if it's not happening there yet, it's about to because this stuff all got introduced this month. This is a new curriculum, fresh so, for September. And maybe you can provide us with the links. We can certainly link some of that new curriculum and the WHO references in the show notes. One thing that might be important to note is that let's say you are in that group where you genuinely believe this isn't being pushed in any way, shape or form at your kid's school. Do your kids have a phone? Do your kids watch Disney Plus? Do your kids watch Nickelodeon? Somehow this is being pushed, whether you like it or not. And the degree to which this is actually being pushed is so coordinated and subversive that you really could miss it if you weren't actually being mm-hmm. trained in what to look for. And they're doing this very intentionally. I, TikTok you know, the, is the worst. 
It is the TikTok. worst. We do not let our kids on TikTok. But here's a reminder to everybody, which my husband and I found out the hard way. There's a new trend where you actually post TikToks to Pinterest as pins. So now TikTok is slowly starting to eat away at Pinterest. So what used to, in my mind, be this creative platform where I was like, oh, we'll let our daughter use Pinterest. All of a sudden, my husband was like, um, did you see Zeb's phone the other day? And I was like, okay, we've got a problem. Pinterest has been infiltrated, y'all. So I want to dig into the history of Kinsey and John Money. However, before we go there, because you referenced it a little bit, and I think it's important for the audience to understand a little bit about your background. Obviously, you mentioned that you are a trans person. Can you give us a little bit of a background on, on how that came to be, what decisions were behind it, and sure. how you see yourself perhaps as distinct from what is currently unfolding right now? Sure. Okay, so I first felt like I was transgender from five years old. So I was young. Um, I spoke to my mum about it. And when I was five years old, she laughed. She would, I was five, you know, <laughs> she, she was like, don't be silly. Mm-hmm. And then as the years went on, the, it throughout my puberty and stuff, I still felt the same way. And my mum started taking me a bit more seriously then, but she, she made it very clear to me that if I was going to do anything about it, I had to wear to I was an adult and being a kid I thought she was the most evil person in the world like <laughs> I thought she was stopping me from being who I wanted to be and all of this but when I finally reached adulthood and I started my journey to the appointments um, that was at age 24 when I finally got put on hormones at age 26 I realized from that moment how correct my mum had actually been um, they give you when you go to your first appointment after that appointment, they tell you you have to live as your preferred gender for a year before you can start hormones. What they don't tell you during that year is when you actually start the hormones, that's the real test because before that, you're pretty much just wearing the opposite gender's clothes and maybe changing your hair. You're not actually experiencing what it is to actually be that gender. So when I started uh, testosterone a year later, I started to have quite a few issues actually because the mood swings and they don't tell you about this they don't inform you that injecting testosterone into your body will cause you to have mood swings i i had parts where i was starting to not recognize myself anymore because i was getting frustrated about things that i wouldn't necessarily get frustrated about before um as a female i don't know how it how it is for you and stuff but when i was a female i tended to burst into tears more than get angry when i started tea the emotional side disappeared and I started to get about things and my friends would call me out Matt why are you behaving like this why are you getting stressed over something so small and uh, I went through a period of being quite depressed about that and none of this was told to me would happen I was told that I might grow facial hair I I was told that my face might become a more square you know and I'd look more like a man but they didn't tell me that testosterone is such a powerful hormone, which it really, really is. Then I had my top surgery um, a couple of years later. I nearly lost one of my nipples. My healing went terrible. Again, I had, that was my first time being put to sleep or having any kind of surgery as well. So it was a huge one. I had a double mastectomy. And again, I went through depression and I was bedridden for quite a few months because I literally couldn't move my arms or anything because of it. And uh, they want to do this to children. It makes me feel sick. Honestly, it really does. So maybe that's a good moment to say, do you know what the youngest age is they're actually allowing parents to give consent for something like top surgery? 12 years 
old Boston hospital admitted to giving. They've also given hysterectomies to 12-year-olds. Hysterectomies which even women who need them aren't allowed to have because they're too dangerous. If a child says, mm. oh, I'm trans, they'll just take, they'll take it out. No problem. Do evil. you know, do you know, certainly evil, do you know financially how much the hospital makes off of surgeries like these? I don't know the exact amount, but I know they get paid a lot. And that is why they are fast tracking this. I have seen reports of people who literally had one two hour appointment and then they were given the get go. They are fast tracking surgery. And in, in England, it's slightly different, OK, because people can get their treatment on the NHS or they can go private. Now, when I went through things, I went through the NHS. So I had a slightly longer waiting period. However, my cousin also came out as trans and had the money and went private, was put on testosterone within a month and a half. It is literally a fast pass to treatment. If you have the money, they don't care. They just want that money. And it's a horrible mm. reality, but it is the truth. So I believe it was Matt Walsh on Twitter did a, a brief expose on one of the hospitals. I believe it was in Tennessee. And somehow somebody had snuck this video of a closed door meeting of the hospital kind of, you know, higher up. I would imagine it would be like the equivalent of a, a quarterly meeting, right? Where you're kind of discussing the profits of the hospital and, and the finances. And this particular person, I won't name them, but this particular person made it very clear that they make nearly $1 million off of one person and their continuing surgeries all the way through to the point of gender reassignment. Now, anytime you have an organization like a hospital, Big Pharma, incentivized to make large sums of money off of one person, what we then have happen is that that system then needs to find a way to drive sales of that product, right? So you as a trans person requiring gender assignment surgery, you become a commodity, so to speak, right? Yes. Where they need to find a way to capitalize in the most expansive way possible on your gender dysphoria. So we've seen now that there are explicit calls to market this surgery more right if they have if they build all the infrastructure if they bring on the surgeons they are then incentivized to grow the inflow of clients or patients needing these gender reassignment surgeries i feel like a good parallel to this that i've given a lecture on before would be before we really had the labels of add and adhd once we started to label that and we started to create certain approaches in the education system. We started to address IEPs in a certain way for ADHD and ADD. We then started to, in my, in my opinion, from looking at the data and research and even just generally looking at the trend over the years, we started to diagnose it at extremely high rates because we built the mm -hmm. infrastructure that now has to be fed. So anytime we're building infrastructure, the system that spent the money to build said infrastructure then has to correctly market said product mm -hmm. to reach their financial thresholds. I want to add you look to like you, you want to say something. There. You go for it. Yeah, I want to mm -hmm. add go to what it. you just said about the rise that's happened. Now, this was an article from the New York Post, okay? This, this is horrific. So between 2009 and 2019, they took a study, okay? And within those years, there was a 1,000% increase in trans-identifying biological males and a 4,400% increase in biological females. Now... 
that makes a lot of sense because we've got this issue right now, okay, where if a girl likes the colour blue or playing with a truck, she's being told that she's a boy. And if a boy likes girly things, he's told she's a girl. Now, the rise in women, the reason why I think that is so high is because a lot of girls go through the tomboy phase. Being a girl growing up is hard. You find out you're going to have periods. You find out that you're going to have to ca maybe carry a baby one day. A lot of girls don't get on with a lot of girls because they find them quite bitchy. So they get on with boys better. So the tomboy phase actually hits a lot of females. Now, that rise is because those tomboys are now being told they're a boy. And it's only going to get worse. And now they're doing these reassignments on kids the amount of regret is going to increase more than it already has. We've already got Chloe Cole speaking out right now. She was given, um, she was put on puberty blockers at 13 and testosterone. She was given a mastectomy at 15. She's now 17 years old, realizes she is a female and that she's removed her breasts. She's got a higher risk of cancer. She can't have kids. And she's been getting very, very vocal about all of this. And, the media have been shutting her down disgustingly, saying that she doesn't speak for trans people. Who I can read speak her for trans people? I read her testimony yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. a that's a great point. If if you can't speak for trans people, then who can? Who if can? she can't speak for trans people, then who can? And she's I think this it. is she's been through it. And I think again, this goes back to there's clearly an agenda behind this because if we actually had the best interest of human beings at the forefront we would of course want to consider adverse reactions. We would want to look at the long-term effects of something like this and yes. make sure that we are, are treating the human being, we're treating the heart of the human being rather than like ushering through this really terrible agenda, primarily to make money, but I would say secondarily, because really if we look back since the beginning of time, there's been a pedophilic agenda yes. always operating beneath the surface and i feel like maybe that's even for a secondary episode but it doesn't matter you could look at greek times you could look i mean you can look back as far as babylonian times there is a, a clear distinct pattern of pedophilia trending toward government and the elite throughout time mm -hmm. so yes. we can't really discount that that exists what we can look at right now is how, how can we try to see where that connects to what we're currently experiencing, how laws are being made, how information is being controlled and manipulated to try to see what their next step is? You know, and I think that's kind of where I sit right now is like, we're already here. People already didn't speak up fast enough or see this coming down the pipeline. I know it's we've been talking about on the show actually for probably three or four years mm. When we look at this current moment in time, what are the thing? What are the areas that you would encourage somebody to to look for the pattern to see where this is likely to go next? If we don't become louder and more fortified in how we're trying to stand against it, where do you think this is going? I think it is going to. I really think they are going to lower the age of consent. I think that's what their primary goal, uh, goal is. I think they're trying to remove the stigma from being a paedophile. I've already seen posts from these people who identify as maps and they're saying mm -hmm. things like soon um, the stigma of being a paedophile will be gone and we'll be able to be who we are openly. Like these people actually think that their time is coming. They actually are getting mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, 
a few years back, paedophiles would have kind of stayed in the dark. But now, because of the way things are going, these people actually, they're a protected group. And it's evident, you mm. know, just look at what's happened with Gays Against Groomers. We have been exposing the grooming taking place and we're the ones who have been silenced whereas the people who are pushing all of this insanity towards the kids that they're being given they're being given a voice um i saw recently as well that this uh transsexual woman who had uh raped two nine-year-old girls and killed them has now been made a left-wing hero who has a platform in prison and makes blogs for the prison from there and they don't they don't say all this stuff that this person did no they just say look at this feminist incredible work being done here when he literally killed two nine-year-old girls and rapes them this is After where we're at yeah yep. predators are literally being given pedestals and they're being given a voice and anyone who tries to protect children is having their voice completely taken away the agenda is to open that door for paedophiles and it's very close to being opened. We, we, it, we're at the point now where it's, it's now or never in stopping this because we are this close to it finally being enabled. I, it's terrifying. I absolutely agree. So if you've been watching the show for a while on the episode, The New Deviants, I look at what's happening today through a sociological lens and we talked about how Typically, when deviance begins to occur, it can, in some cases, shift things for the positive, like a Rosa Parks, or it can shift things toward the negative, like what we're seeing right now. And in general, deviance is used to normalize some set of behaviors. It mm -hmm. typically begins with social norms, like what we're experiencing right now. But the end result of it is to actually shift mores, which are social norms that are encoded into law. So it, it would make sense that that is where we are trending. One of the things we also talk about on that episode, if anyone feels like they need to go back at a refresher, this is a great one to really try to look at what we're talking about from that sociological perspective, is this idea of a natural deviance spiral. It is part of humanity for us to enact certain forms of deviance to test our boundaries and see where we naturally evolve as a society. That should occur in soft spirals. What we have seen over the last five years is nothing like a spiral. It is a straight shot directly up. Matt already went through some of the data on trans identifying people from 2019. This is not a spiral. This has to be something that is manipulated and coerced from the mm -hmm. outside. This isn't, you know, so for those of you that are out there being like, oh, well, you know, like my so-and-so is trans, my so-and-so is trans. There is a stark contrast between somebody that naturally, organically, without priming, experiences gender dysphoria, which does exist. I'm not here telling anyone that that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. That does exist. It's existed since the beginning of time. Obviously, Matt, you can attest to this. But that is starkly contrasted with those who are primed into identifying this way. They're very different trajectories and we need to separate out the data. So I have a few clients that have been trans identifying as you described from early childhood ages. And some of these are now in their 40s, 50s and 60s. So this would have predated any of this agenda pushing that we're really describing. So I wanna be very clear that I believe both of us, and I'm certainly not gonna speak for you, Matt, on this, but I you know, believe that there's some solidarity on this. I'm not against trans people. I genuinely love and have empathy 
and respect for all human beings, no matter what. That is at the forefront of everything that I do in my work. It's my most deeply held belief. Now, Mm -hmm. there is a way for us to be enabling and priming somebody into an identity that will fracture all of humanity. And then there's a way for us to be genuinely compassionate and empathetic for something that somebody is going through without taking that small percentage and then using that small percentage to somehow distort all of the rest of society, which is what's happening right now. So Matt, from your perspective, how would you kind of draw those defining lines between somebody from like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago before this was really put into action as an agenda, how would that person's journey potentially have looked different and unfolded naturally versus what we're seeing right now? Well, for starters, they wouldn't have been taught any of this in school. So they would have come to that conclusion by themselves. You know, like, like, like I did, I I said to my mom when I was five, mom, I think I'm a boy. You know, but it's about the difference is things should be like they were in the past. You know, if children feel a certain way, they should be going to their parents about this. And and, and it should be between them and their parents. We shouldn't have strangers inputting their beliefs on other people and confusing them because they might not necessarily be right. You know, we've got a lot of children growing up right now who have traumas because we live in a society that is full of mental illness. And it's obvious why when you see the social media and the, and, and the media in general, TV, everything that it, it puts at people. And a lot of children do go through things like body dysmorphia in some way, you know, and the the issue is instead of it being how it would have been before where someone would have like spoken about their feelings to someone first and then been given a response they're now having things given to them before they can even work out themselves and that is why we're having this this huge rise you know so so many of these females you know have that four thousand percent they could have if, if things were different than they are now they could have grown up a few more years and been like i was just going for a really rough phase but now because it's being put in front of people's faces like so quickly they're not given that chance to really contemplate things and they're being led by other people's opinions and that is why all these people are now transitioning like few people really are trans the number is not as high as people are being made to believe it is because of this confusion that is being thrown at them that people are thinking they're trans right now and Honestly, all these children that are being put through these treatments, they are going to grow up to resent their parents for enabling it. And the sad thing is not all of those parents were doing it to be progressive. Some of those parents really think they're trying to help their child because they can see their child is upset. And the issue is people, you know, for me, it saved my life. It's what I need to do. But some people, they're transitioning right now because they're depressed and they think it's going to make things better. But really, it's going to make things worse. And then you've got so these you've... people. Sorry, carry on. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. I think we've I'm got a little what... bit of lag, but no, you go. Okay. I was going to say one more thing. Um, you've got these people who are turning around and, and, and their argument is, if you don't let this child transition, they're going to kill themselves. That's, that's a really horrible thing to say, because to be honest, some of these people are going to kill themselves because they made the wrong decision. Because going back from transition is a lot harder than going through it. It never goes back the way the way you want you know i've I've seen some deep, 
the trans people on TikTok who are going through terrible depression because especially the, the, the female to male route like me, because once your voice goes deep, that ain't going any higher after that. You know, you can start identifying as a woman again, but you're going to have that deep voice. And some people really, really, really struggle with that. So a couple of things that I want to double back to. So regarding this whole idea that tomboys, for example, right, somebody right now that would have in my day been a tomboy is now essentially being guided into identifying as trans and seeing that somehow the way that they naturally exist is evidence that they are in fact trans. I am here to tell you I was as tomboy tomboy can be. And it's something that really spoke to me when I first started looking at this movement, but then also the Gays Against Groomers website. In fact, one of the pieces of merch that just said Save the Tomboys, it really spoke to me because for those of you that might not know about the journey of Little Biz, you know, I have long blonde hair now and sometimes people assume that I'm one way and then they meet me. They're like, oh, you're like pretty tough and whatever. So if I go back to early childhood, I was a competitive athlete. I went to a private school where... It was co-ed and girls were supposed to wear like the kilt things, right? We had a gray kilt and a plaid kilt. I refused to wear skirts. I would only wear khakis with penny loafers. I always had my hair pulled back. I was always on the field playing kill the carrier with the boys. The little girls would be kind of running around singing songs and playing on the playground trying to kiss the boys. I was trying to tackle the boys on the field. Not for fun, <laughs> like be out of competition. Yeah. So I was that way all the way through even high school. All my friends were guys. I was a competitive skier. I genuinely put on makeup for the first time in my life, when I was 21 years old, and I had a friend, shout out Larissa if you're listening to this, that had to sit there and try to teach me like literally how to be a girl because I was that dissociated from really mm -hmm. thinking of myself in those con. I was just busy. Like this is just who I was. I, I didn't think of myself in any sort of terms other than this is just who I was. I dressed kind of like a skateboarder. So I am, I feel like the prime example of somebody that in today's society, I absolutely, they would have tried to convince me that I was trans. And I'm here to tell you that as soon as I crossed that threshold of 21 and I realized that a lot of the reasons that I tended to hang out with boys was because I had a lot of betrayal trauma with my mom, you know, everything started to open up when I realized I could actually trust girls. I started to soften into my feminine and then I started to have girlfriends. And I think you spoke to this. Our trauma is generally what creates that foundational step toward having at least a friction fraught identity in the first place, right? And in my work, I've found that a lot of people that are typically primed toward gender dysphoria have experienced some sort of sexual assault at an early age. So typically, whoever the perpetrator was, because that gender becomes often the bad guy, right, that you wouldn't ever want to have a sexual relationship with. And then also, and I've seen this multiple times over, your brain tricks you into believing that somehow the reason that happened to you is because you're a girl. So being a boy is actually safer. So then you dislike men, but you also want to become a man. This is what I see mm -hmm. the most in my practice. And I'm curious on your thoughts here about the correlation between sexual assault or molestation to some degree and potentially some of these kids being yeah. more susceptible to being groomed into a trans identity. I actually agree with you completely. I've actually had a lot of male to female trans um, approach me and tell me that they were abused when they were younger and they feel like that's what led to their femininity. Um, there's also 
the situation it doesn't apply to everyone but it is a, a recurring thing where some people have um internalized homophobia where they're they're too scared to be gay so they transition because they think it would be easier um that's not everyone but it definitely is a thing and it would be wrong to ignore it like some people want to pretend that's not a thing it, it, it is it definitely oh yeah it seems it seems like it would be a thing it definitely is um but the, the sexual abuse i i have seen studies as well that show that it is a lot more common in the male to females but whether that means that the fdms aren't speaking up about it as much i don't know okay but and fdm is what does fdm stand for female to male, female. Female to male okay. which is what i am <laughs> Got it. Okay, so I want to give the audience a working definition for groomer before we continue on into some of the deep, dark history. What is a groomer and how do you feel that that term really describes what we're seeing transpire right now? A groomer is an adult who develops a positive relationship with a minor and sometimes the parents too in order to open the door for sexual abuse. gain their trust that is a groomer which is why it is ridiculous that the media are now trying to say that groomer is an anti-lgbtq slur that is not true at all that is not what it means and why why do you think that they are successful in trying to convince people that that is an anti-lgbtq slur because certainly people are buying into that sort of nonsense well how how are they doing how are they pulling it off It goes along with what you were saying earlier about how there's a combined attack going on. If, you know, if people repeat the same lie over and over, people start to believe it. And when you've got these big corporations like Twitter, Reddit, um, Google, Yahoo, Venmo, PayPal, and all these companies that have, have banned gays against groomers, they're all talking the same points. And they are huge companies used by the masses on a daily. So when all these all these corporations team up and they say the same thing people are very open to programming you know it's very evident (laughs) we see it every day and Mm -hmm. it's at the point where a lot some people just don't use their own brain they just look for how they're meant to feel from these from these corporations and it's worrying but it's more evident now than ever in the last few years it's been absolutely crazy when you see it especially you know um with the events in the world people were just regurgitating the same the same talking points so they'll take everything at face value but it was fact checked matt what about the fact checking <laughs> when you look so into who you, snopes you... are <laughs> oh oh my goodness that's a that's a good dive if anyone wants to go on the who founded snopes dive you'll come up with some good stuff just you know i feel like i always have to do this disclaimer when you go looking something up you can't go on google page one so i mean i feel like no. it's 2022 september like you should know that by now but perhaps some don't there's always people that are like well, but I need it to be a legitimate media website like CNN. I'm like, I'm sorry, do you just use legitimate and CNN in the same sentence? We can't be friends anymore. So I want to circle back on one thing because I think it really drives a big point home. Mm -hmm. So when was Gays Against Groomers actually brought into the mainstream public? Like, when did you guys actually launch? Uh, We launched in June. That's when Jamie, our founder, um, started our coalition and we've been going for almost three months now and we have already been on fox news a couple of times newsmax oan um it seems to be mostly 
uh, right wing media who are giving us a platform. The, the um, left wing media seem to be writing hit pieces about us. We've had several by Media Matters already. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a shame, you know, because it really shows how how bad this world really is. You know, protecting children should be a common ground that everyone can agree on. But apparently it's now been made a political issue. Like when I've spoken out about the surgeries and I've even said my own situation, you know, how I nearly lost a nipple and it didn't go very well. I've been told I'm making right wing talking points. Now, since when was protecting kids a right wing issue? I think everybody should be wanting to protect kids. They are innocent. It's the same as animals. Animals and children represent innocence to me. Okay, so they need protecting. So how someone can look at this blatant mutilation of children and either say it's not happening when there's literal pictures of it happening. You know, I've seen pictures of really young kids who have had top surgery and they're butchering these children and it actually breaks my heart. And doctors actually flaunting right pictures wing. of it on social media, yes. being like, you know, posing bragging. after their after their surgery, bragging about doing it. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was this uh, female doctor surgeon who was uh, bragging about yeeting the teats. That was her words. And she's on TikTok. Now, all of these medical professionals, the ones pushing this stuff, seem to be on TikTok. Now, I don't know about you, but personally for me, if I found out my doctor was on TikTok, I probably wouldn't want them as my doctor. <laughs> well, you know, and that kind of goes using, back to this idea of marketing. Right. If we know that TikTok is one of the primary areas of, of consumption of yes. this sort of trans indoctrination, of course, it makes sense that said doctors would also have a presence on TikTok. Right. Because it's a it's a self-feeding system. They're not going to go get on a platform where they know their prime demographic for, you know, financial gain isn't right. They're only going to go where their demographic is. They're just describing these procedures as if they're the start of a fairy tale and that it's going to make people's lives so much better and it, it that's not true like for some i'm not saying for everybody like like i said for me transitioning saved my life but i was an adult i don't when i think of how hard it actually was going through it if i was a kid i wouldn't have been able to handle it i wouldn't and i can honestly say that like it's very traumatic on your body and your mind you put you know it, it's a very big decision to make and children especially when you're seeing these 12 year olds being given these treatments 12 year olds are in no way ready for this and they and at 12, and, if, and you know, if it made you act irrationally or have that much of an emotional change from pre to post hormones kids that are already struggling to assemble their identity naturally right like just from age roughly eight to 12, that's, you know, the primary formation of our identity anyways, where it's mm -hmm. complicated no matter who you are, right? You don't know yes. how to, you know, not act weird around friends. You're trying to figure out what ways you can express yourself in a way that are liked or not liked and try to really get clear on who you are. Not to mention we've all, I mean, my daughter's 12 and as soon as puberty starts hitting, no matter what, emotionally, they turn into a a little bit of a basket case. It leaves with like some sort of up and down throughout mm -hmm. the month. Mm -hmm. If you throw external hormones on top of that, like you're really doing that kid a disservice. Childhood and teen years are hard enough. Throwing yes. in surgeries and hormones, you're making it nearly impossible for that child Absolutely. to actually have a, a normal life moving forward. Absolutely. I know that we're kind of 
progressed in this agenda. Do you know any data or statistics on suicide rates post-op at this point, knowing that obviously we're not very progressed in the in the in the agenda so far? Do you know anything about current suicide rates? Honestly, I don't know the exact one for that because they're trying to silence these statistics. Mm -hmm, they will tell you the ones if you don't let your kid transition, but they won't tell you what happens when they do. But if all you have to do really to kind of figure it out is look at the amount of new detransitioners. You know, there's a group on Reddit now with over 40,000 members in the detrans group, right? And they're making out that detransitioning is rare. 40,000. I don't think so. That's, a, that's an alarming number. How how would somebody in the audience go try to look up some of the information on detransitioning? What would be the keyword search terms to really focus on to look up detransition? First step is ditch Google. Um, and I know this uh, company <laughs> has also become... <laughs> uh, this company has become slightly corrupt as well, but I'm still getting good sources on there. Use DuckDuckGo. Honestly, DuckDuckGo... Even though it's been bought out a bit, it's still being honest with the with the results. That's how I got all my information on Kinsey and stuff. So I did deep dives on there. Google mm. won't tell you anything apart from how amazing these things are. But if you go on DuckDuckGo and you search D-Trans awareness or D-Trans speaking out, you will find so many links. I've even found links from transgender doctors telling, um, sounding the alarm that children should not be going through this reassignment surgery but if you went on google and searched the same thing you'd get a report saying trans people say yes to surgery <laughs> you know like mm -hmm, they hide absolutely. they hide the truth and they promote these garbage articles so we have referenced it a few times on the show and we definitely want to start off by jumping into a little bit about kinsey so yes. at this point in where we are with just gender identity in general with really even like the teaching, the academic perspective, I would say, on gender identity, everything is very much foundationally rooted in the work of Kinsey. And Kinsey actually is the namesake of the Kinsey Institute at University of Indiana, which is regarded as the leading institute for sexuality and gender identity. Can you tell us a little bit about the horrific background of Kinsey, who he was, what types of experiments he ran, and and what he's ultimately responsible for. Yeah, of course. So Kinsey's um, reports, they're called the Kinsey reports, that he published between 1948 and 1953 are where most of this uh, premises comes from for this new gender ideology and stuff being taught. Um, in 1949, I've got some stuff here, Kinsey actually testified before California's General Assembly subcommittee on sex crimes and urged them to liberalize, um, liberalize sex offense statutes. Um, he also argued to grant immediate parole to suspected child molesters, warning that societal hysteria does more to children than the actual molestation. And his words, his exact words were, it is difficult to understand why a child, except for its cultural conditioning, should be disturbed at having its genitalia touched or disturbed at seeing the genitalia of other persons or disturbed at even more specific sexual contacts. Now, this links into the WHO stuff I was saying earlier about how they're talking about this good and bad touch and mm -hmm. the ages naught to four for that kind of teaching, because what he's done there in 49 is basically claimed that child molestation is beneficial and that children should be open to touch and we're seeing that in our curriculum right now that is literally coming into play 
um, Kinsey actually documented um, 17 hours of sexual crimes um, from a 63-year-old pedophile at the time named Rex King. Um, he published much of King's data in sexual behavior in his reports, the Kinsey reports. Um, and this is really this is really deep. So trigger warning before I say it. Um, during the book Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, um, there were tables summarized summarizing King's attempt to bring to orgasm boys aged two months to fifteen years. And these were this is, this uh, is mo- this wasn't we're not talking like one baby. It, this was a no. an actual study. I'm gonna put yes, study uh, in air quotes because who, total, what what sort of number. horrific thing would be done here? Yep. So in the first one, there was uh, the human male and human female. Okay. Now these were actually children. They weren't adults. Um, The first, uh, the men interview was 5,300 males and the women was around 8,000. And most of these were children. So we're not talking small numbers here. This isn't like, you know, I I think sometimes when I've had these arguments of people on the left, they'll find ways to to minimize or excuse there's no minimizing or excusing this these are thousands of kids that were actually molested in the name of science this is a man a doctor Mm -hmm. who actually witnessed and recorded a prolific pedophile sexually molest kids and never report them to the authorities while simultaneously trying to claim and does so in all of his books that children are inherently sexual and the only reason incest should should is illegal is because of social construct and that really incest is beneficial for kids yes kinsey actually also um took data from other pedophiles and financially compensated fathers who were sexually abusing their own children so I want everyone to just have a moment. I find myself, I get so angry talking about this. That, like my whole, my, my sh- it makes me want to cry. My shoulders get tight. I'm, I'm so upset right now. I work with victims of sexual abuse and pedophilia and, and do all day long every day of my entire career. And when we look at something insidious like this, that actually we know for a fact, like you can go look this up. He is directly tied to all of the curriculum that's being used in your kids' schools. He's being directly quoted and cited and actually regarded as like the godfather of modern day sexuality Mm -hmm. by the entire left wing establishment. If you can't hear this stuff and then find some serious problems with the fact that they've chosen to align with a man like this and chosen to hide or try to distract you from his true past, like... I don't even I don't know how to even have a conversation with you past that. Where where Matt can some of these people go to start to look for some of this? I do have some links that I'm going to throw in the show notes. Where can people go dig into some of this horrendous, horrendous information? Again, go on DuckDuckGo and start and type the truth about Kinsey. Also look into his infamous table 34 because there he literally recorded the age of these children, two months being the youngest how long the abuse was going on for and how many orgasms they apparently had. And the worst part is he said that the way he knew the two month old had had an orgasm was because they were in pain and they were vibrating. So this man is a a monster. Absolutely. Just want to say that he's an actual monster. And for those of you that are hearing this and you're mad, let me make you more mad. 
Hollywood actually made a movie glorifying this man yes. and making a mockery of this whole thing. And, you know, a fan favorite of a lot of yours, Liam Neeson, actually took mm -hmm. this role, which um, I don't know that I can ever actually Speaks look at him the same about Liam again. Neeson, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. I mean, you would, in order to take on a role like that, you you know, most of these actors, especially if they're method actors, they would look into the background of the character they're playing yeah. to actually take mm -hmm. on this role. I mean, you essentially have to be giving your approval for all of this atrocity. It's unbelievable. One of the so, worst things about it is that um, in the movie, it actually mentions the child thing, but it shows him being disgusted by it. <laughs> Mm. Completely See, yeah, the, the, the world of place. the world of inversion that we live in today. So obviously the Kinsey thing is incredibly horrific, and you can certainly go take a look at the Kinsey Institute for Sexuality and Gender Studies. It's a real thing. It's at the University of Indiana. Clearly, no mention of the fact that he both witnessed and conducted pedophilic experiments on babies as young as two. Yes, he was known to use Let's dig into some stopwatches to track what was going on he actually timed this abuse so i think if you know a lot of you might maybe think of names like hitler stalin when you think of pure evil and you know certainly those things are true but to me this idea that somebody would intentionally do this to a baby like i honestly can't imagine anything worse that it, it makes me sick feel very hopeless in society and and i you know i i believe that we are we are going through a transition right now where we've been very destabilized by the powers that be that there has been and likely has always been an agenda running behind the scenes but i do think that a lot of us are coming into an awareness and a perhaps a, a fortitude where we're willing to actually stand up for what's right when maybe things haven't quite been bad enough and we've all been operating in a bit of complacency. So I hope that while something like this is really hard for you to hear, and it certainly is for me, my stomach's literally turning right now, that you use this as a line in the sand that motivates you past complacency. We're not at a place in this experience of, of humanity right now where you can just be like, oh, well, you know, I, I wish I didn't watch that episode or I wish I didn't listen to that episode. Like you can't just like when you watch a horror movie as a child or, you know, you somehow see something that you can't unsee. I, I hope that you can't ever unhear this. I hope that you put this in your pocket and let this arm you to actually do right by all of the young children and teens that are being horrifically harmed by by the messages of this man that have just gotten you know, inserted into the system and into the agenda and now corrupted right into your homes through your kids' devices, through your kids' school curriculums. Thank you, Alfred Kinsey. You a-hole. Yeah, monster. Um, total monster. And then we're going to dig into another monster that, to yep. me, honestly, is is as, as horrific. And this one is particularly credited with really the gender identity yes. studies. And we're going to dig into what he did, his, you know, I'll say now infamous experiment. And I want to make sure that we touch on how that data was manipulated um, kind of posthumously. So why don't you dive into the the evil man, John? Is it John Money or John Monet? I don't know how to pronounce it. I think I think it 
I, I checked online. They said money. So I think it is. Okay, we're going. Let's go in John money. <laughs> okay, so in the seventies, money aided efforts to have homosexuality removed from the American Psychiatric Association's list of mental health disorders, and conducted the first study that homophobes were motivated by their own suppressed homosexuality. In eighty-five, he testified before the Attorney General Edwin Meese's Commission that pornography was not detrimental to minors. Even worse, he claimed that paedophilia was not harmful to children, and that adolescents should receive specific instructions on masturbation there it is tied in with the age naught to four early childhood masturbation being added into the school now in 46 he reconceptualized the term sexual preference to sexual orientation in 55 he he posited six categories of six variables from his studies into hermaphroditism so-called assigned sex genitals, internal organs, hormonal, secondary gonads and chromosomes which is repeated now a lot by trans campaigners um, uh, in, in 1965, he co-founded the John um, Hopkins Gender Identity, Identity Clinic, funded in part by female to male philanthropist Reed Erickson, which performed the first sex reassignment surgeries in the United States. In 86, he defined lists of abnormal love under the umbrella term paraphilias to replace perversions, philia being Greek for love. We were mentioning the Greek earlier, so there's mm -hmm, that yep. connected in there. In 88, he attempted to confront mind-body dualism with a concept of body-mind in gay, straight, and in between the sexology of erotic orientation. Um, Money is the founder of the idea sex and gender are somehow disconnected from one another and the father of transgenderism. In 88, he wrote, because sex differences are not only genitally sexual, although they may be secondarily derived from the procreative organs, I found a need some 30 years ago for a word under which to classify them. That word, which has now become accepted into language, is gender. Everyone has a gender identity slash role, one part of which is one's genital or genitosexual gender identity role. The masculinity and or femininity of your gender role is like the outside of a revolving globe that everyone can observe and read the meaning of. Inside the globe are the private workings of your gender identity. Um, his description of the role humans perform was all those things that a person said or does to disclose himself or herself as having the status of boy or man, girl or woman, respectively. It includes but is not restricted to sexually sexuality in the sense of eroticism. Gender role is appraised in relation to the following general mannerisms, deportment and demeanour, play preferences and recreational interests, spontaneous topics of talking, unprompted conversation and casual comment, content of dreams, daydreams and fantasies, replies to oblique inquiries and projective tests, evidence of erotic practices and finally, the person's own replies to direct inquiry. So he was the one who launched all of this. He is behind all of the gender ideology taking place today. And he is also pro-pedophilia, um, as we saw from the statement above. Now, his very famous experiment that he did on the twin boys is certainly, I would say, a, an etiology or a starting place of what we're experiencing today. Um, I want to kind of jump into that and hopefully cover how that information was skewed, distorted, as often studies are to actually promote the agenda that uh -huh. we're now experiencing. Yes. So John Money is part of a an experiment that was done on two twin boys. One of the boys had a circumcision gone wrong. I believe it was whatever the cauterizing tool actually essentially caught his penis on fire and they had to do something with the skin that was left remaining. 
John Money heard about this, I believe, through a friend or colleague and actually stepped in and asked if he could turn their son into a daughter and run a study by which he actually checked in with them over the course of their life. He, if you look at the study and how it was used to promote gender reassignment surgery and gender expression in today's society, he makes it look like it was a huge success. What actually happened is that both boys ended up having tons of trauma from it. The boy who actually suicide. had the gender I've reassignment surgery committed suicide. I have seen and this. And the other brother dealt with significant behavioral and emotional issues growing up as well. Now, John Money, throughout doing this experiment and conducting this experiment, kept recording notes as if this study was a wild success. Your study cannot be a success if the person that you conducted the surgery on kills himself. Additionally, his information was trying to prove that if he changed the gender, that that child would have no that that's just who they would be right but what actually ended up happening is that they tried to make this person grow up believing they were a girl did this all the way through but still that girl realized that they were a boy and no one told them what was going on so imagine imagine this experience where they don't realize this horrific surgery has been done to them against their will, that their gender has been changed against their will. And now they're kind of living this whole experience of looking back as, a, you know, their life is being a lie, all in the name, again, of gender identity science. So does this, it sounds like this is ringing a bell as I'm bringing yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. When I, you I were, when that. you were coming through some of your research, did you come across this experiment done by John Money? Yeah, I had, I, I, I had, I just, I couldn't put two and two together, but I did hear about, um, the suicide and it it's it's awful it's absolutely awful and it reminds me of something i actually saw recently um there was a couple who had a son and he was only three years old but he liked playing with dolls and so they thought that he might be gay and they didn't want a gay son so they're making him live as a girl and the two parents actually had the nerve to make a video talking about what they're doing, like it's a good thing. And this is happening right now. So, I mean, this brings up a whole, which I know you referenced it earlier in the show, this idea that somehow to mask or cover up homophobia, you just change the entire gender of your child. Yeah. I, I hope that people listening hear how completely insane that is. And if anything exposes what's truly in your heart, I mean, the idea that you would rather literally chop up your own child than have them be gay speaks volumes about who you actually are. And I feel like it just exposes the hypocrisy of a lot of this kind of liberal agenda where you're willing to literally dice up your child's healthy bits just because you don't want your kid to be gay. Absolutely. And the worst thing about it was the the parents, when they made the video saying what they'd done, they were laughing about it like they're really proud of themselves and they're child abusers that is all they are and all of this I, I said it earlier but I haven't said it on here but uh all this gender reassignment on children right now it is the modern lobotomy and one day people mm. are going to look back on all of this and it's going to be one of the darkest times of history we've ever we've ever encountered because so the alarm what sorry Karen. no you go um, the alarm is being sounded by so many already, and 
it's being pushed. Think how it's going to be in five years' time, even just five years. I think it's going to be horrific because we're already seeing all these people having so much regret. So what can our listeners do to stand against this? What can they do? Not only those that have that are parents with children, what can they do? But what can we as a collective do to sound the alarm, to speak up? What can people practically do to not let this go any further than it already has? Even if you're not a parent, if you're a taxpayer, you have the right to go down to those school boards and say exactly what you think about what's going on. I think people need to be very boots on the ground with this. Um, social media is a good way as well. Just speaking, you know, it gets around people. But I think to really hit them where it hurts, people need to get down to the school boards. Um, a member of our coalition, Gays Against Groomers, Mario, recently went down and his video blew up so big. He was invited onto Fox and, and he said amazing stuff. You know, he said that they don't, affirm things for anorexia so why are they doing it for children when it comes to surgeries and being trans you know and, and he made some very very good points and i think more people just need to get loud like that it doesn't matter if you don't have any kids if you're paying taxes that money goes to the school as well so you go down there and you tell them exactly what you think because there's this thing being said right now where if you're not a member of the community you're not allowed to speak that is absolute garbage this affects everybody it affects everybody. And the parents who are being told because they're not LGBTQ, they can't speak up. Their kids are having this stuff thrown at them. They have more than a right to speak about it. So I just think, you know, we've got flyers as well on the Gays Against Groomers website. If you go on Gays Against Groomers, come and print those out and just plaster them around. Just whatever way you can, just get in the public and get loud. Just get out there. And do you think since we've given some background information on Kinsey and money and their essentially founding of what's being pushed right now, do you feel like that's a good talking point perhaps for people that are finding themselves at odds with a liberal that's really pushing this agenda? Do you feel like that's a good way to go? Definitely. And um, when the statue was actually erected at the uh, Indiana uh, Bloomington campus, I made a video um, exposing Kinsey and I actually had a lot of people comment saying that they were now ringing the university and telling them exactly who Kinsey really was and the last person that called when they rang they were told by the staff that they were receiving a high volume of calls so it's getting around mm. already people are mad about it and I actually had people comment who actually students there who had no idea and they're disgusted that they're even learning at a place that is pushing this and you know the worst thing about it is he was actually at the university when he was making these uh yeah he likely did it with university yes. research dollars just so there. that we're all on the same page here and if you go on his website the kinsey institute this isn't some like you know shoddy website that's kind of thrown together like this is the primary yeah. institute for sexuality and gender studies in the united states so wake up everybody smell the coffee this agenda has been operating behind the scenes for a long time, and they have no intention of stopping anytime soon. And as Matt referenced multiple times, the ultimate goal here is to shift public opinion to make some extent of pedophilia either normalized or at very minimum decriminalized. So 
whether you have kids or not, you should be genuinely concerned about this. And I kind of always feel like going back to this place and it's always bothered me how many people are vegans because they don't want to stand for this idea that animals somehow get, you know, harmed in the process of either, you know, extracting their milk or even they won't eat honey because the bees, right? There are all these different facets of vegans not wanting to support animal cruelty, yet you support late-term abortion, yet here you are supporting all of these things that we're talking about right now. If you are going to stand that hard line that you are a vegan, which, listen, that I support you and your choices, but if you are so steadfast in being a vegan because you don't want to harm animals, you need to care about babies. You need to care about you know, elementary school kids need to care about teens. Mm -hmm. This is going to affect an entire generation and you can't stay silent and sip your, you know, vegan oat milk latte. This is not the time for that. Absolutely. And it, it just seems like a lot of people have been really pacified to all of this as well. You know, some uh, would rather say it's not happening than actually look and see it clearly is. And others seem to think it's a, it's, it's a good thing. You know, I saw a video of um, a guy was walking around California asking people, what they thought about kids going to drag shows and the responses were just ridiculous now i've been to drag shows in the past but we can all agree i think that the main theme of a drag show is normally sexual that it's not child friendly whatsoever yet this person was going around asking these people do you think children belong at drag shows and the responses he was getting were things like yeah if they think it's beneficial for kids to learn what was a kid gonna learn at a drag show like, you wouldn't take your kid to a strip club, so don't take your kid to a drag show. There's no difference, except it's even more confusing. <laughs> I saw some video of a drag show at a school where a male dressed as a female was wearing literally an outfit that you would wear at a strip club, and the kids were putting dollar bills in their G-string. I don't care what argument you try to make. You'll never be able to justify that that is in the child's best interest. There's I, I, Like, what rational argument could you possibly bring to the table yeah and then i saw a flyer I mean, for another apparently kid-friendly drag show and the drag queen's name was anal leakage sorry <laughs> at what point is wrap, that friends we're gonna end on anal, anal leakage i'm sorry but <laughs> just i don't know how uh, that 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 and kid-friendly do not go together <laughs> no they don't go together and i think again I, you know, as we start to wrap the show, you know, undoubtedly for now until Matt and I do like 10 more episodes together. Oh, I'm up for that. Let's maybe, <laughs> let's maybe remind everybody that, you know, you are going to be called a bigot and a racist and a homophobe and all these things by standing up for what we've been talking about. No doubt you will. Right. I mean, as Matt was mentioning, you know, this idea that you, you, if you aren't this community, you can't speak for this community you know, I'll expose the hypocrisy right now and say that Matt is trans and they're saying he can't speak for the trans community. So really oh, yeah. what they're saying is that if you're saying anything that pokes a hole in our agenda, you are not allowed to speak. I'd made a video with a sound of notifications coming in and I said that I was a trans person that was against children transitioning and I received a a comment saying nothing quite shows the advantage trans masks have over trans femmes quite like this video. And I spoke to my friend Becca about it and she understands all the woke terminology. And she told me that it meant because I actually look like a man, I'm not allowed to speak anymore. Now, 
this is ridiculous because I thought the whole point of being trans was presenting yourself as the opposite gender. But these people will find any excuse they can to take away your voice and silence you. They will do absolutely anything to the point where if you actually look trans now, um, no, you, you, you're not trans. Um, and, and this is because I think the main issue is the non-binaries. They are the biggest activists out of all of it. And they are the ones who are being mm. put at the forefront. Crayola recently used a non-binary person for an ad. Don't know why Crayola would do that. Children don't need to see a non-binary person when they're just trying to use crayons. You know, <laughs> it's like they're trying to find any excuse they can to put these people on pedestals. And they're trying to do anything they can as well to shut up anyone who is not giving the same talking points as them. They don't really care up... about LGBT people. They care about the right kind for them. Right. They care about whatever actually allows their agenda yes. to become the strongest and most profitable. And I think get the closest to shifting public perceptions of what we've been talking about, right? Moving from social norm to more. So you brought up one thing that I think is a great place for us to end this particular episode, which is this idea, you called it like woke terminology. I've seen some videos where it sounds like people are able to speak intellectually in a coherent way about this agenda. But what you end up finding is that they are trained in a circular system. So when you create a closed system, you're able to create language that sounds coherent, like it makes sense, like it all confirms the previous piece. But eventually you get into a circular narrative where you can no longer define a term without using a previously defined term. That's evidence that you're operating in something that has been crafted as an agenda. Unfortunately, this video that someone sent to me, it was a former employee that found themselves on libs of TikTok that one at one point called me a white supremacist and actually did this whole video rant surrounded by different non-binary stuffies, okay, literally stuffy animals, calling me a white supremacist and talking to me with his bed full of non-binary stuffies. Now, he years later made his way onto libs of TikTok right. explaining his experience of gender fluidity. And, and literally, this, this person is very intelligent. I genuinely adored every moment that I worked with this person right up until they called me white supremacist surrounded by their stuffed animals. So you know who you are. I still love you deep down in there, even though you called me white supremacist. So this person finds themselves trying to express coherently how gender fluidity works and how one day he is male and one day he's female. And then sometimes he loves hanging out with kids, of course, because the kids are able to move fluidly with him because they don't just decide that he is one way. Mm -hmm. So it was a really coherent laid out argument. However, what they're describing is part of this closed system. So I don't know if any of our listeners or viewers have watched the What is a Woman documentary. Matt, did you watch that one? I've seen parts of it. I, st I can't find it's been removed from every link I try and watch. <laughs> so you I think it's because they want you to pay for the Daily Wire subscription. Ben Shapiro, I wish you could just let us download one, but whatever. <laughs> good, good business play. So it is available on their actual website for okay. Daily Wire. You do have to pay a subscription. Is it worth it? Absolutely. This documentary was really well done, very comprehensive. And here's, I think here's the thing that probably upsets people that are pro this agenda the most. It actually openly gives 
people that are proponents of this free voice to genuinely articulate the tr their truth, right? So they really walk themselves consistently into a trap that really exposes a whole lot about the agenda. One in particular, these kind of circular definitions, is a professor of gender study. This professor appears to be a professor at UCLA and even given multiple opportunities to genuinely express himself and his true beliefs and his teaching continues to cycle himself around to a place where Matt eventually says something. Well, I just like, I just want to know the truth. And the guy literally shuts down and says, I see where this is going and essentially says that it's transphobic to try to get to the truth. I want to end on, on that thought process for you, Matt, how in the world can it be transphobic to try to land on truth? It's not, it's just a tactic that they're using now for everything. Anything that they don't like to hear is phobic, hateful, far right, it's all been lumped. Words just have lost their meanings completely. The transphobic thing, you know, I get called transphobic all the time. Now, in in my translation of that word, what I would take it as is that I look in the mirror and scream because that's what a phobia is. I am not scared of myself. And I've also been told <laughs> that I secretly hate myself. I'm pretty comfortable in my skin. You know, um, I actually find it really funny when people say that, 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 that we hate ourselves when we speak out because... When you are able to openly, I'm an open book. You could ask me anything about my transition or anything and I will happily tell you because I'm comfortable in my skin. If I hated myself, I would hide from the world and I wouldn't be expressing myself the way I am now. So I like to shut down those people straight away because if anything, the people who are criticizing, they're the ones of the issue because they're obviously not happy about something to be so upset. They obviously can't accept the fact that you can present yourself a certain way, but you cannot change your gender. That is a fact. Even though I may look like a man, I will always be a biological female. You can't change that. You can you can change your body parts, like chop them off and stuff and do all the other things that you want to do. But your body really wasn't built for that. And it probably will come with with health risks. Well, it, it will for a fact. It, you know, even testosterone comes with health risks. Um quite a lot of them it, it makes your heart rate faster three times more likely to have a heart attack and things like that so these people i think a lot of them are struggling with trauma especially the older trans people who are calling the truth hate you know like i well i said earlier about how when i was younger i thought my mum was really mean as an adult i matured and i i took away from that mindset but i think the people who are attacking the truth the older people are the ones who are still playing that victim mentality that they had when they were younger. Mm. They haven't let go of the trauma. A lot of it is trauma-based. I really think so. Yeah, and almost very self-centered in approach, right? It's self-centered yes. to only think of your experience and then let that be magnified and then become everybody else's experience. And I think when we look at this elevation of victim society in general, that is what's happened, right? Everyone that has perceived some sort of victimization have rallied together and formulated these distinct political groups or ideologies to then make it blanket for everybody. When the reality is that that doesn't actually, I, I think, 
cover the masses. It actually speaks to a minority. And now we are mm -hmm. priming the minority into a majority experience that is Absolutely. not not accurate. I mean, victim mentality is elsewhere. It, it's praised. And that's why a lot of people have it. I mean, look at shows like The X, X Factor, for example. If you go on there and just sing, they're not really interested. But if you tell them a big sob story, you're immediately given mm. this platform. You know, victim mentality is encouraged in our society and that is why we've got a lot of people who love playing the victim it's so true so matt definitely want to have you on the show again what is the best way for our audience to find you to connect with you and what they can do to maybe support areas that you are really passionate about amazing okay so i'm on instagram as it's matt ray the same on tick uh twitter on tiktok i'm still matt ray and then obviously you've got our coalition gays against groomers which is spread out across uh instagram twitter truth social uh telegram um and then if you want and then we've got our sister coalition we've just launched called trans against groomers which i'm also a part of and then if you really want to help our all organization and help us um put a stop to all this insanity we have donations on our website gazeagainstgroomers.com we also have merch and if you use my promo code um, matt ray you can get 10 percent off anything and all of it just goes towards helping our cause um we recently got a gaze against groomers truck which we took to one of the school boards and we had signs saying no child is born in the wrong body and things like that so we are really using those donations to really get stuff done and we appreciate all of the support we've had so far it's been phenomenal and for everybody that is going to look it up and can't find it's matt ray r-e-y r-e-y right yeah yeah because i think a lot of people would immediately go r-a-y i want you to find <laughs> this wonderful man thank you so much for all of your insight for all of your research we absolutely loved having you on the show i have no doubt that many of our audience members will reach out and connect with you i know i personally am in massive support of gays against streamers i'm definitely going to go get some save the tomboys stickers and merch yeah. matt thank you so much Thanks for checking out this week's episode of The Modern Good. For more information on Break Method, head over to breakmethod.com. And to check out my workshop and teaching schedule, busygold.com. I'll see you next week.